Bridging the Gap. Episode 20. Tell of Two Generations. I'm with my OG. I'm the young OG. We're here live from the UAE, United Arab Emirates, Dubai, DXB. This is our home now. We'll soon to be. I'm the young OG Ryan Yates. Yeah, I said the whole name. I ain't did that before. No, you didn't say the whole name. I said enough. <laughs> I mean, we're here. We you know what I'm let everybody know what the whole name is. I'm, I'm with my OG Julian King. Oh man, you know we're just gonna fly right over that, huh? AKA Jupac. And if he was, he can pull that up. If if you were with us once before, then you know my my guy got an alias. You know, I don't know. Some people may not know. <laughs> but or, uh, you know, my guy Eddie Kane, uh, uh, nice like this. <laughs> I mean, I love this, man. I'm gonna switch it up for you next time, though. Here we go. Nice like this. <laughs> I, I wish. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, man. What's up, big dog? I was good until you played that. Hey, man, I had to. I'm gonna hey, switch it up that's, next that's time. That's not a good representation of me, though. May you know. No, yeah. seriously. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> Eddie King had some issues there. You know what I'm saying? Some... Eddie King was definitely wild. Yeah, was yeah, definitely yeah. wild. I'm gonna switch it up next time, though, right. for sure. Right. But um, we're coming off a great episode. Um, shout out to T now who T had reference Pratt. If he saw episode 19, that was our guest, our first guest. Um, she blessed us and gave her grace her presence with us. She's now back in LA safely, yeah. getting ready for the season. We with you, T. That banner chase begins now. Right. Got to make it a trifecta. She got two already. Man. So she got to keep going. She got two in the pandemic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's different, right. man. It's been, um, man, so it's, I feel like the work week is always so crazy for us. It's like we we finally get here and get a chance to breathe. <laughs> yeah, we. this week's been rough. Yeah. And not to mention that the, the weather's changing a little bit too. Right. Right, right. So for our people, for the first time listeners, regular listeners, you know the deal. Um, this is my high school coach, my mentor, family, and, and now we are business partners. Now, yes, you heard it right. 15 years ago, maybe a little bit less than that, I met Coach. Um, and he was my coach from high school. And now here we are, business partners in Dubai. Um, we are the, the head guys for Who Mountain Dubai. That is our basketball brand, Basketball Academy. You know, just spreading the spreading the love, the culture of basketball to the young UAE families and youth. Um, you'll hear us talk about that a lot. You'll probably be seeing the at Who Mountain DXB Instagram on your screen right now. Um, WhoMountain.ae if you're looking for us online. Come check us out. You know, we we killing it. But like the OG said, it was a rough week. <laughs> it was a rough week. Right, right, for sure. Like, how do we even visualize that for people? For those out there that are my age and, you know, uh, maybe a little older, just imagine your worst day of the week surrounded by three and four-year-olds. Three and four-year-olds. That aren't yours. Yes. 
and we don't normally do that. <laughs> yeah, we don't, it was, it's like it's like thirty of them. We yeah. just lended a helping hand. Right. You know, that's one of those hard. That's one of those lessons you learn in entrepreneurship and in this business period. Your relationships. Right. Right. Sometimes you got to do things that even you may not feel like doing, but you know the relationship is important to you. So. Right. And sometimes you just gotta come through for people, for yeah, for good people. And, and these the people that we're we're dealing with right now, um, we're lending a helping hand to. They've been really good to us, and so um, you know we gotta look out for each other. Right, right. And that's you know, that's your mo, right? We're not ne we aren't necessarily in a position to help somebody, right? <laughs> like by no means, but you know that's part of that being a part of a team, yeah. being a hooper, right? Being on a winning team, right? Right, because everybody's a part of a team at some point, but everybody's not a part of a winning team. Right. Because that's different, right. right? But you just know you got to... Sacrifice. You, man. Sacrifice. It is what it is, right? It's a long-term thing. But uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling good, though, going into the to the end of the week, though. As you said, that weather's changing. Yeah. 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 That's going to be special. Those beach trips going to be different. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. More frequent. Yeah. Sure. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. All right. When when this episode drops, coach coach will be a week out from his birthday, right? So coach is the type of guy that he'll give everybody, he'll give his last to everybody, do all that he can. He'll leave it, he'll give it to you and still talk some trash to you when he give it to you. Like he's just that type of guy with helping, right? But he has a hard time accepting acts of kindness. I'm not even gonna call them gifts because it's acts of kindness. So I'm telling you on air. There are going to be a bunch of people on there. And I hope all of you who follow at him when it comes around for his birthday, make sure you add him and make sure you you know, hold him accountable. Mom told me this, right? We I'm taking you to dinner for your birthday on me and mom's. And we know I'll probably have something else special, but you cannot refuse it. If you don't want to do it on the day of your birthday, we can do it a few days before. That's cool. But you got to go, man. But, hey. I already, but I already told you that I can't do it. You can. Yeah, I got something planned already. You, no, before, on your birthday, I know, but we're going to do it a few times before. We, we don't have to do that. I know. Look, here you go. I got to go. I got to find some time. I got to call your mom and speak uh, to her on the it's, side. It's you know, too, too late. Two, two, two real adults talking. Look, not, the, not the young OGs. These two OGs. She, bold, she older than both of us, man. Hey, I'm right there with her. I'm right there with <laughs> we her. We're right there. So, look, y'all, when y'all check in with him a little bit, just ask him, how was dinner? That was it. That's it. That's a good, good plate. You know, man, I gotta show some love to my OG, man. Yeah, but, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, but, yeah I but, got you. But I, you know, I don't like being told what to do. I, I know that's why I didn't tell you, man. That's why I didn't tell you. It's gonna be everybody like, yo, you gotta go. Come on, man. I'm gonna make reservations and you know, you know, throw your throw your best. We're <laughs> gonna be good, man. I promise you. I promise you, man. You gotta trust me, man. I got you. I got you. But let's let's get into it. Um. Basketball. We didn't even talk too much NBA stuff last time around, um, which is cool. I mean, right? We we had to give love to WNBA for sure. We have a legend in the house, so for sure. But but sometimes still though, like it'd be tough. To, it is tough to talk about NBA in the second half of the season because you kind of like just anticipating the playoffs, right? Right. So like even right now, you know, I know the Lakers gonna be fine. You see me. I know we're going to be fine. Everybody talking about, is this going to be this? Is it going to be that? I know what Brown and AD are doing. 
<laughs> playing the long game. They'll be back healthy in time for everything to go together. But, you know, the NBA is the best marketed sports league in the world by far, right? So one of the headlines, Drew Holiday gets his $160 million deal from Milwaukee. Let me start it. Let me, well, first of all, could. Yeah, you hit that several times. <laughs> hey, hey. And then, a, yeah. good God, God man. Four years. Whew. Man. And that 160 goes a long way in Milwaukee. Man. <laughs> look, look. To his agent. <laughs> Great job, man. But I say it's long overdue. I mean, for, for those casual NBA fans, you. Talk about what type of player Drew is. Drew Holiday. For sure, vastly underrated. We're, we're talking about a big, physical, athletic, fast guard that can get a bucket whenever he needs to um, and is always team first, plays multiple positions, the one, two, he can slide to the three, defends multiple positions. I mean, with... If you don't look at the stat sheet, sometimes you don't even get a chance to appreciate what he does because he's so smooth with everything that he does do. And he's never vocal in, in a negative manner. And, you know, you everybody around the league always sings his praises in terms of how um, they want to play with him. He's a great teammate. And, man, we all know. We've seen what, he, what he's been doing. He just has – he's been in the wrong markets mm. and on, on bad teams. Man. But, but this guy can play. He can get to it. And you talk about Pierce. That's kind of the biggest praise you can get because he hasn't gotten his just due. Like, of course, now, you know, this 160 mil is long overdue. Right. He's one of those guards that every guard makes sure they get their full night arrest before playing <laughs> Drew Holiday, right? Everybody's always said it. Right. Even KD has said it. In the league right now, like, hands down, Drew Holiday is the best defender in the league. Yeah. He I think one of the reasons he he hasn't been getting his just due is because he's been focused on other things outside of basketball, which is a lot of people don't know until recently, you know, a couple of years ago that his wife has been dealing with health issues. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's been very consumed with being, uh, you know, a supportive husband and father. And, um, you know, for him to balance all of that and be the best teammate he can be, I mean, that's that says a lot. But, you know, he's a guy that... Once the game is over, he's he's not on social media and things like he's going home to his family. So yeah. that's you know, so he's been a victim of not being in the in the limelight, so to speak, with social media. So the casual fan wouldn't know his his true worth to a team. Yeah. He elite, man. Shout out to Drew. You deserve every ounce of that. Yeah. You know. Um, shout out to Milwaukee for securing a a stud for five years. And the right personality for Milwaukee. Man. The right personality. That's important. Yep. Especially after you get Giannis to sign that extension. And after you give, you know, Mike Conley got all them big contracts, you know, all those things. I'm calling it out. Like, Drew Holiday been needed that, man. Shout out to his agent and everything else. Um, more on a 10-day note, uh, Boogie got picked up by the Clips. Mm. You know, on a 10-day deal. Mm, let's get ready for the uh, the implosion. <laughs> we, we they picked up. They got, they got him and Rondo since we last talked. Um, mm. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, Tyron Lue's got a, a lot to handle. I mean, 
I, I think it starts with the same two, though. Kawhi and PG. Right, but that's the problem. Yeah, that's that's where it is. But that's you got the two best players on the team are introverts. And now you you're bringing on two alphas who are past their primes, still serviceable serviceable players, but past their primes. Now, how is is coach Lou going to get those four to coexist? That's, I don't know, man. It's the clips don't put any fear in my heart at all, <laughs> at all, at all. And I, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but you know how when sometimes they'll say when certain teams walk off the bus, they just up ten before they get before the scoreboard even cuts on, right? It's just certain things, just history wise, right? The uh, Palestra, right? And that's a um, legendary gym in Philly, uh, big five games, you know. You walk, I went on my pit, my visit to the University of Pennsylvania. You walk into the palestra, you just. You can feel the history. You can just feel it. You can feel it. Right? Yeah, like, you, it, yeah. you won't really understand what that means unless you're a hooper. But sometimes you can just feel it. Yeah. You just feel it. Like, LA is a one, one show, one time show. It is what it is. They had their chance, and it's a wrap, especially with the rest of the West doing what it's doing. I, I don't see it happening the other way. But I mean, they're, they're, they're good. scary though. Yeah, they're good. They're scary because yeah. it it can go either way. It's fifty fifty. It can be really good. Yeah. Or they can. Yeah. So meanwhile, Utah still Utah. They really moving. They really moving. They making it happen. Like if they go into the playoffs healthy, they're dangerous. You know, the the Suns are playing well too, but they're still young. They're still young, and you know you can't. You got to go through that path, that journey. Right. At, going back to Utah, you said that they're still being Utah, right? Well, Utah of this new age. Right. Well, so my thing is they're playing really, really well. Are they playing well enough that you would put some money on them? Not against your Lakers, but against someone else in the West. Um, hmm. Let me think about the West, because you know you gotta you gotta you gotta weigh both sides of it, right? Well, I mean, what I'm saying if, is, based on their record right now, we're we're expecting them at minimum, right, to make it to pull up the standings, e. So we can look at it, right? I'm definitely, I'm always taking the Lakers when it comes to that. Um, let's see, Western Conference get Jazz, Jazz, and the Nuggets. I'm taking the Jazz, um, Jazz, and the Suns. Chris Paul makes it tough, but I'm taking the Jazz because of their supporting cast, right? So I'm betting on that with them. Um, Jazz and now when it comes to the Mavericks and the Trailblazers, I take the Jazz over. No, uh, I'm taking the Mavericks. That's, no, we're not talking know. about specific matchups. I'm talking about that's what I would bet on. We're, we're just talking about them being the number one team in the league, so to speak. We're expecting them to know to do no better than conference finals, right? If you're the number one team, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So would I bet on that? Yeah. The the way the standings looking right now, um, would they play? Nope, because they would have to play us in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> the way it's telling right, I'm not I'm not betting on that. But yeah. I I mean I wouldn't be surprised. So let's say that way. Okay. And I think that's a step into the right direction, considering what Utah is, right? Okay. I think it's a step in the right direction, though. But that's those standings look crazy. Yeah. 
You know, like, and it's it's a dog fight too. And remember, it's a play in game for the the seven through ten seeds, I believe. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So is is that a was a series for the play in one, or, or one, game. one game? Okay. So if the higher, I believe what it was last year was if the uh, if I'm the six seed, if I'm the seven seed, and I play the ten seed, and I beat this ten seed, then I'm good. Okay. But if the ten seed beats me, then they get to play another game to get into the uh, playoffs. Okay. Yeah. One. Hey, look. One game. Two games. That's like March Madness right there. <laughs> Anything can happen, and with the way the West is, you know, ain't no telling how that'll go. Because yeah. that, um, those those Mavericks, those Grizzlies, San Antonio. Um, yeah. You know, you're speaking of the Grizzlies with Jai getting healthy. They're creeping back up. Look, yeah. there, there's two people I think will should be signature shoe people. John Moran is one, and Luka Doncic is the other. I think I think those two need some signature shoes. So I seen a lot. Of, I seen a little post going around talking about like AD and all those other things. But Luka, because <laughs> Luka got a whole different type of star power with it because of the international. But yeah. but Ja Ja giving me AI vibe. I don't know where he got to go to get that type of thing off, but he he gonna deserve one soon, for sure. Um, let's see where we at on the rest of that news. So we'll see what the Clippers do. Um, you know, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball, the he's been killing it. You know, he was out for a little while with injury. He came back the um, other night and eight trade balls, twenty seven points, nine boards, like six assists. Mean, and this is after hearing all the trade talks, hearing that um, there's a young kid out of uh, Virginia Tech who's from Canada. I think he's cousins with uh, SGA out of OKC. Um, and there's Nichols Alexander. He played under uh, C Webb. Shout out to shout out to Christian Webster, Virginia Tech. And you know they were talking about he gonna be the the guard of the future. Mm. You know, my boy said. Uh, LaMelo lighting fire on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so Lonzo is, is, you know, I've always been an advocate. Lonzo, to getting right. He getting right. Yeah, he's he's finally being aggressive, um, more aggressive, you know, because, you know, he's been the guy that, let me do just enough to run the show. Let me, you know, let me do just enough to strap up my guy and uh, keep everything keep everyone happy, everybody getting touches. But today's NBA is a little different, man. You know, you're the point guard. You got you to gotta get some buckets sometimes and and let people know you're on the floor. And, that's, and so he's starting to do that now. He's got more confidence in his jumper because he finally changed his form. And, uh, you know, he's shooting it now. You can tell he's he's expecting it to go in. Yeah. So it's changing his play for sure. You know what I, you know what I like most about it? LeVar always said this. He always said, my boys work. Right? right, like that's one of those things that people never really put in the headlines or paid much to, attention to. It got you know buried beneath everything else. But evidently, Lamelo put in work, right? Yep. Lonzo put in his work, and Lonzo had to put in even more because he really had to adjust like much faster. He had to. He didn't go overseas and get to go do all that. He had to work on his body, <laughs> change his shooting, learn the game, learn the different reads and how to apply. And it's showing. I love it. Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely work. I don't think. I don't think many. Well, basketball people knew that they work. I mean, 
listen, you you change your form over the course of a summer. I mean, that's big. That means you were spending hours in the gym, you know, yeah. hours. Yeah, that's the real deal. I mean, that's when we talk about being a pro. Yep. <laughs> yep. You got to approach that game completely different now. Yep. Um, and talking about basketball right now anyway, we talk about in college sometimes after, and you can attest to this, after basketball season in college, it's like everything just go quick, yep. right? Because it go over two seasons. So, Right now in the NBA, we've seen a lot of blowouts, like a lot of blowouts. It's randomly people getting blown out and it's getting passed around. People getting spanked everywhere, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's what, what, how do you phrase that? Is that like a mid-season wall? What is that? Like people need to find a, a new sense of motivation. No, I, I think it's rest, a rest factor. You know, this is a uncharted territory for the NBA and for everybody where, um, most teams played last year in the bubble and turned right back around and had to play again. Mm. And, uh, you know, I know for the casual fan, you know, they're thinking that, you know, these guys make millions of dollars and, um, you know, it's uh, it's their job. But, I mean, it is it is tough. It is it, it can be – it's not as challenging as it was in the past because they have more modern advances and things like that, but it's still a grind. Mm. And if you're – the ultimate goal is to perform well in the playoffs, you, you want to make sure that you keep – your guys ready to go. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that, you know, we were robbed of a few better finals back in the day because of injury, you know? We, so, um, you know, keeping these guys, you know, ready to go is is most important because nobody remembers. I mean, people remember, but people don't care as much if you go, uh, you know, you finish in second place regular season and then you bow out the first round because you got injury. Nobody, go, nobody cares about that. Or if you go, what, 73 and 9 or something like that? <laughs> and then you don't win the chip. <laughs> yeah. That's, they that's just got true. smacked by 61 the other day, too. Ooh. They were, I mean, they were down 61. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, yeah. I stopped watching it, but. Yeah. Man, you know, we've talked about this before, and we're going to let it brew for a little bit. When season one is over, I'm, I, we got some, you know, something in the archives we're going to be able to pull up. But we talked about Steph and what it would look like if Steph had to lead a team without Clay, without KD, and had to do his best AI or even Dame Lillard impersonation. We won't get into that now, but I'm just going to throw it out there for the people and let you, you know, think about it. All right. Yeah, just, we'll get into it, though, because, you know, we we had these talks extensively, <laughs> but, you know, things looking a little fishy over there. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see what that sounds like, but... Let me make sure that I take this moment to shout out Roy Williams. Roy Williams, um, head coach of UNC. He won two titles with us. Won a title in Kansas. Legendary coach. Great, great, great basketball pioneer. Um, He just retired from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, head coach for the men's basketball team. Um, So first of all, let's get a round of applause for that. Let me make sure. Big time. Thank you um, for everything. Um, it was. It's been. A, it's been an interesting last couple of years too, and especially with this pandemic. I'm sure that he already was dealing with vertigo, health issues, and things like that. So I'm sure the pandemic allowed them to just go ahead and jump into that. Look, time to be with my grandkids, Bob. Sure. Yeah. yeah. He. I mean, he. He did all he could do at Carolina. I mean, you said I, I thought he won three at Carolina. 
don't know if it's if it's we we got one. We lost one to Villanova. <laughs> um, so we, I know we got one with Rashad McCants. Um and uh what's his name? Um Raymond Felton, Sean May, um, Jamal Williams and all those guys. Oh, what is it? We got you know I can't see that far. Yeah, what, what oh, yeah, yeah, we got three. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got the first one. Yeah, we got three at UNC. Yeah, we got oh four, oh five, oh eight, and oh nine. Yes, yes, yes. In 2016-17. Yeah. So I misspoke. But thank you, regardless, you know. Big time guy on the sideline. Um, I mean, you got to watch him from a coaching perspective. I got to go up like thinking I could possibly play with him, knowing I knowing I wasn't going there. <laughs> but what was that? What was Roy Williams like from a coaching perspective? He's he's one of the the few college legends who I would view as a player's coach. Um, you never heard any players say anything bad about him. Um, they all enjoyed playing with him, and he seemed to have a genuine, a genuine delight in terms of being with his guys and them with him. And um, he seemed to always get the most out of his guys. And they played up tempo, played hard, and um, you know, win or lose, they were always, how can I say it, that gentleman like North Carolina way. And and that's something that uh, needs to be revered because um, it was almost as if Dean Smith never left. Where you know, where what I, what I like that only when you talk about coaches uh, being team players or players coach Rashad McCants, man, <laughs> you're a clown, man. I gotta say that online, like that. That's it. But now we talk about UNC. That's college basketball royalty, right? It's Duke, it's Kansas, it's UNC, it's Kentucky. Right, that's the blue blood. So filling in that seat, you're yeah, a legendary name. No, you no coach has not won a championship at UNC during that tenure besides Dowdy, I believe. I think so. Right? Yeah. So like you you get in that seat, you know what the deal is. Right now, um, they just announced that Hubert Davis, former player, is is the head coach of um and you know he was formerly the assistant under that realm. So that's just keeping continuity there. What do you see UNC looking like going forward under his realm? I, I personally, you know, of course I'm rooting for him. You know, he's he's a uh, – I'm not from Virginia, but I lived there for a certain amount of time. So, you know, anybody from Virginia, I'd like to see him do well. He's he's African-American. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a, a loyal assistant. He was there for eight, nine years. Being on the bench at Carolina for that length of time with that success, you know he had several opportunities to be head coaches to be a head coach somewhere else and for him to stay um, says a lot about his character. Um, if I, Cause I'm, the, if I'm not, not mistaken. He actually left a pretty lucrative job on air. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To, yeah. to go sit on the bench. And so I, I don't see much of a drop off. Uh, I do see maybe um, just a slight change in terms of a new age of Carolina basketball. But um, like I said, Roy was very progressive though. And he, he changed with the time. So yeah. I don't see it being that much of a drop-off. Um, and quite frankly, the fact that he's African-American could lead to to them landing more in-state talent. Yes. So, yeah. Especially now with the with the switch. Yeah. You know, Master P's son, who's highly touted, he just committed to Tennessee State University mm -hmm. on um, on Stephen A. Smith's show. Oh, wow. Right? And you got the, the uh, ranks of like um, North Carolina Central, 
um, and other HBCUs or predominantly black colleges that are making a trend, you know, and players are also wanting to take more control of their legacy. So, you know, that may that may lead to some new things. Yep. Um, shout out to Roy, UNC. Let's keep pushing. Now, let's get to the good stuff, though. They call him the truth for a reason. <laughs> they call him the truth for a reason. Paul Pierce. Man, listen. Paul, man. I don't care what ESPN talking about. Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce had some fun on his off night. He was chilling at home, private residence. You know what I'm saying? Doing things that legally adults can do with no problem. You know, NBA champ, finals MVP, you know what I'm saying? Future Hall of Famer in his own right. One of the greatest Celtics ever. Millions in the bank. Millions. <laughs> Millions. Multi. Yeah. <laughs> he had a little fun. Right. You know? Did you see it? It was on Instagram Live, you know? I, I did see it. <laughs> that that is one of the um, moments on social media that I did see because I had everybody in the world that I know sending it to me. What were they saying though? Paul is a wild boy, <laughs> but but I'm proud of him. I'm, <laughs> he's a legend, and you know, and um, you know, he he wasn't going to be tied down to uh, corporate America because you know he was, you know, because he's taking care of himself and his family. He's he's free. Yeah. Look why? Yeah. Why look? So they they said that uh, immediately ESPN fired Paul Pierce for for his racy Instagram live. Right. The one thing that's like it just seems so outlandish to this is that he wasn't doing anything illegal. Right. It wasn't nothing that anybody really can be upset about. But hey, it is what it is. You know. Immediately after he said, "Just stay tuned to what I got coming next." He said, "I can't lose even when I lose because I'm winning." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Big things coming soon, so stay tuned. So make sure you smile." So, God bless him. <laughs> Paul awesome. Pierce, we see you, man. It's only one truth. That's one of the best nicknames ever, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we talked about that once um, in the car one day. Just uh, how players back in the day, you had to earn a nickname. You couldn't yeah. just give yourself one because it sounded cool, or, or you know, you you thought that that's what your game was patterned up. No, people would people would give you a name right. if you could ball. Now they're doing it for Brandon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I need a sneaker that's gonna be cool. Right. Well, but shout out to him. So, talk about legends. None other than the man himself, LeBron James. Space Jam: A New Legacy. The the trailer came out. It it looks dope. Like visually, yeah. looks crazy. You guys, um, Ethan, you got to figure out whatever animation, cartoon stuff they got going on over there. We need all of that. Because Braun and Pixar or whoever they're doing it with was killing it. They look dope. The story was completely different. I think LeBron was quoted saying, it's not Space Jam 2, it's Space Jam New Legacy. It's not a sequel right. to it. It's its own story. And from what, we, what I saw in the trailer, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be dope. It, let's face it, with the things you have to work with now and you're looking at past successes and mistakes, and it's LeBron. I mean, he, he pretty much doesn't associate anything that's not going to be a winner. Right. So, 
I mean, and just from watching the the little clip that I saw, I was like, whoa, that's the kids are gonna go crazy for that. Crazy. And he what was dope was the goon squad that he had this time. <laughs> the goon squad is it's real deal. Right. And the goon squad, they weren't um, they weren't like the traditional monsters last time. They had like some crazy, like Clay was all fire. Right. Dane was like a titanium robot or something crazy. Like they were looking wild. So AD, Dane, DT, aka Diana Tarasi, who we just talked about last episode, who's who's as mean as an assassin as there is. And then we got Clay Thompson, um, NECA. Um, Tierra's teammate, and uh, well, that's, that's four. Yeah, so it's DT, AD, Damon, Neca, and Clay Thompson. That's a mean squad he got to go against. You know, you talked about the um, Clay having the fire stuff. That's that's about right, man. It's always it's always a flamethrower. If that thing touches his hand, it's it's gone. It's, gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How LeBron gonna win this one? <laughs> that's what I want to see. Like. I want, how you gonna win this, LeBron? Like, you gotta make this happen. But I want to see how you gonna do that because they they got one for you over there. Ain't no Muggsy Bowls popping up. Like, they got <laughs> some they got some G's over there. I'm excited. They said it come out July 16th, so it's gonna be a dope one for sure. Um, I think we'll jump into. Well, me as a Laker fan, I gotta point this out because I it makes me feel good, right? Man, can you can you pull up the standings? Where are the Boston Celtics at in the Eastern Conference? Shout out to Steve Gibbs and, and my guy Mala in, in, in Boston. You know those those Boston fans. Celtics are in seventh place right now, sitting at what's that twenty six and twenty five or twenty five and twenty five. Man, we talked about it about probably like four episodes ago. Danny Ainge, what you gonna do? This and I think it's on him because I'm even seeing a lot of people, like other guy people in management and around the NBA, saying they can't, they don't trust him to work with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's those handshake agreements never uh, benefit both parties. <sighs> yeah, you, know, you leave uh, you leave that that meeting or whatever. You know, you're expecting to get two players and you know you end up getting nothing and a draft and, pick. <laughs> he, and he has your first round picks for the next 10 years so man <laughs> finessing so yeah. it's gonna be interesting because that that east is just getting better and better so sure what what's it look like for boston like what is boston gonna look like are they gonna end up trading one of the young studs they got between jb and, and tatum to fill the void that they need to fill, they may have to because they need, we know they need a big. Mm. They need a true big. Um, mm. Small ball is hasn't really been cutting it for them recently because you know Rozier is gone. Because you know before they had so much firepower and they were guard heavy, guard and wing heavy. It didn't really matter. But you know even the bigs they had before that were real versatile are gone. You know, Olenek and those guys, like, yeah. you you need guys like that. Yeah. And, they, and they were big, too. Yeah, you know. It's it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I'm loving it. <laughs> All right, almost the end of the season, most of the um, MVP guys are back healthy, or they will be surely soon. MVP ladder. 
right? Right now, I think at the top of the MVP ladder, they have um, the Joker. Number two, Dame. Three, Harden. Four is Giannis. And five should be is Luka for now. Um, and then the next five would be LeBron and, and Embiid. And even, oh, they got uh, Devin Booker in the top 10 of that. Finally. Yeah, yeah. And then they got Kyrie at nine and Kawhi at eight. So I made my preseason prediction on MVP, and I thought it was going to be AD. Mm -hmm. You know, I said barring injury. <laughs> Show enough. Here we are. Always going to be. And then earlier in the year when things were moving, I said Joel Embiid. I'm going to stick with it. I'm gonna stick with Embiid if if Philly finishes strong, and he because he after missing like five weeks he came back and had 24 and 13 or whatever, but I think that Embiid is going to, and I think so because of Doc, right? Because sometimes you need somebody putting a battery in your back, right? Right. So I think so because of Doc that Embiid is going to push for that win. If not, I'm going Dame. So I'm going Embiid or Dame. For my MVP prediction at the end of the year, mm, mm. I'm I'm so up in the air with this. I'm all in place, all, all over the place because each week, yeah. it changes just because some people are sitting out for rest, some people are sitting out for injury. Um, you know, some teams are making a late season push. If I had to just pick one person, that I think would, that's been the most consistent all year. I'm going with Joker. Mm. Even over Dame? See, the reason why I don't pick Joker over Dame is because Dame had to win, and I think they might be in fourth or fifth place. Dame had to win without Nurkic for an extended period of time again <laughs> and without CJ right. again. And then outside of that, we don't even really know who's on the Portland team for real. All right? We got, of course, we got Melo. Uh, Hall of Fame and Carmelo, but Dame carried that in the West as a guard too, and kept them afloat again, right? For, and again for the last three or four years. And I think he's been the most consistent. I I love Dame, but Dame had moments where he was from another planet, but then he had another. He had more. He had other moments where he was just you know Dame, just normally killing. But but Luke has been doing. I mean, um. Joker's been doing stuff from day one. I mean, mm -hmm. I know he, he's had his crew with him the whole time, but there are a bunch of bunch of youngins running around too. Yeah, and so you know they're trying to figure out. So I, I, I give him the slight edge over there. You know, I love Dame. Yeah, you know, I'm giving mm -hmm. him a slight edge on that. Yeah. If they're gonna go with what we have right now. Yeah. So you got Joker. That's yours. You going for a Plan B for a backup just in case. If I had to go with a backup, more than likely I'm, I'm going Harden. Hmm. Okay. Because I mean he he, okay. has, he has he came in and did what people didn't think he would do. And when he's on the floor with Kyrie and then when KD come, that monster comes back, I mean, man. Yeah. I mean the record has shown. I think they're like 20, 26 and seven with him and then like nine and seven without him. Yeah. So that would be so crazy. Has anybody ever won MVP after being traded midseason? <laughs> Like that's that's crazy. I don't know. That'll be a whole different space. You know, forget Charles Barkley talking about he the best offensive player he's ever seen in his life. Like that that nonsense. Dude. He's one of them though. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. He's not the best. No, he's talking about even better than Kobe and Mike. Like get out of here. But to do that, man, they just gotta win something though. Yeah. 
That's that's that'll be oh, that, it. Like, that's that's always gonna be hovering over James' head. That that dark cloud. You, you got to win something, man. You got to. You got to. All right. So, um, head back to that page for me, big guy. I'm man, Ethan over there. Not that one. No San Diego Charger socks. Man, new socks on. We're not gonna put them on camera though, because right. you know that that'll get them too much love. Right. But one of the um one of the cool things that we we got to get into um was a Netflix series, Last Chance You. Um, you know, everybody that's familiar with Last Chance You, it's typically about football. Um, that last football season was at Independence College. Yeah, that, that one was nuts. They had to rebrand. <laughs> they had to rebrand. You know, I can see you in the, the jacuzzi at the end, at the end of the night, at the game, sitting there talking about, you definitely need a jacuzzi anyway, but <laughs> sitting in the jacuzzi like, man, these dudes just don't know. That was some of the wildest <laughs> ever. Like, that was wild. So now Last Chance you was doing basketball. Um, so they head over to, to East L.A. College. ELAC. ELAC. Man, first of all, I don't even know if people really understand L.A. culture. Like, I love palm trees. I love the sunset. We talked about it when T was here, but yep. that West Coast is tough. That that place is tough. There's a lot going on over there, and, and it's embedded deep-rooted into the uh, culture. Right. But they head over to Last Chance U, um, and it's for ELAC, East L.A. College, Junior College. Um, man, immediately, Coach Mosley, John Mosley, the head coach, when I saw him from the first two episodes, I was like, oh, coach is going to love this. <laughs> coach is going to love this. I just let you get into it, like feelings, reactions, just seeing a coach at the junior college level for college basketball especially and how that works and the the similarities to to that and what you got to deal with. Well, you know, that that definitely had a, um, a, a soft spot in my heart, you know, watching him from, from you know, his – day-to-day routine and how he's dealing with his his family, his friends, uh, you know, and his team. You know, that's why I kind of wore this Blessed Sacrament shirt because I, I could feel his pain. You know, you know, people don't know that even though I coached with you guys at T.C. Williams in Alexandria, I worked in Northwest D.C. And, you know, I would thank God that the school was so supportive of me. They would allow me to kind of um, make my own schedule where I could leave early enough to fight DC traffic, which is five times worse than, worse than Dubai traffic, by the way, everybody, um, and try to make it over to practice so I can get a chance to, you know, see the freshman guys on the freshman team, the JV team, and then, you know, practice with you guys um, as well. And so, you know, I could feel his pain when he was, you know, contemplating getting a regular job after coaching at the division one level for six years, you know, or, taking this junior college job where at the beginning, you know, he wasn't sure they would get him in the building and that's all he wanted in me because, uh, you know, he needed to provide for his family as well, you know, in, in, in addition to take care of his, uh, his basketball team. So, you know, so I, those moments really hit me hard because I, you know, just watching him do everything from, you know, helping his assistants wash uniforms, mop the floor, you know, trying to figure out how, you know, his team would get from point A to point B and paying for stuff on his own credit card, 
you know, and then, you know, taking care of his family at the same time and dealing with all these personalities coming in on this team. And, and a lot of those kids were troubled kids. And man, I mean, that. I mean, there's the, the stories behind them, like um, KJ, yep. you know, KJ was a local kid who was a hooper, was already killing it known, but he just didn't have a grade. Yep. You know, he, he tried hard, but School just wasn't his thing. You know, energy guy. Always good guy. Good, good, good teammate. Great you know. kid. Right? Deshaun, who lost his parent, his mom, his rock, right? Went to UTEP. As a walk on. A walk on it. Man. And earned it. Yep. Just for that coach to be fired. And then the new AD said he's not honoring yep. that. Like in the midst of losing your mom when you don't have any other family. And then you got uh, Joe, who's from around the way, from home, D.C. area. He's from D.C. Um, and just, I could tell I, that attitude, you know, like that's when you're back against the wall and you ain't never, you never really had anybody who said they was going to be there, actually be there, right. no matter what, right? Or when you had those pitfalls, injuries and things, and you're like, I don't know where to go. Right. And nobody ever told you that this could happen. And you're like, and now you just lashing out, figuring it out. Yeah, this, I mean, this guy was four years removed from from college, man. Man, you know, and we we watched this whole thing, you know, transpire over uh, an entire season. And this young man went to an illustrious, you know, private school, prep school, Oak Hill, and not one time did he mention having any support from them afterwards or, or being able to go back or, or just, you know, calling them for advice. And so that was very troubles, you know, troubling to me because, um, you know, he and coach Mosley, but it heads a lot, but in the back of his mind, he knew, you know, his heart, he knew coach Mosley had his back, you know, through thick and thin, man. And that's, mm-hmm. that's tough because, you know, on the coach it's it's trying because you're, you know, as coach Mosley said, how far do I let him go before he disrupts my team? Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, for them to make it that far, man, and to be cut short by COVID, man, that yeah. that it's it's interesting though because you talk about like I I know you personally, right. so I know you're gonna fight for the players because you you've been there in those shoes when you needed somebody to fight for you, yeah. the right guidance, and then you see enough of it daily to where it's like, man. Kids just need more, better guidance. Like it's our responsibility to do that. Like when you in that position, dealing with the the anger issues Joe had, like Joe was a week out of jail when he came to the uh, <laughs> tryout. Right. Right? A week out, you know. And when you say I'm not going to give up to him, like what, what is that threshold? How do you know when it's time to go or when I'm just going to keep pushing or keep giving him what I got? Right. Well, couple things one you know coach had a you know a real sense of um you know of a higher higher meaning and higher purpose in life you know that through his religion so that was that was his foundation to um knowing that joe was talented and for him to win it all they do they did need joe um you know, coach is not a dummy. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he was a six year assistant coach in D1 level um, successfully. And then he had been um, probably the the best uh, coach at ELAC 
up to that point, even though he hadn't won it. And so, you know, you know, those things and, and just the fact that Joe has some bad days, but he has some real good days as well. So, you know, as a coach, you got to be able to take the good with the bad and, uh, and know where each, each kid is coming from. And, um, you know, the bad moments that Joe had was from just lack of support when he was younger. Yeah. Because, you know, you always need somebody to put their foot up your butt sometimes and, and tell you what you don't want to hear on a consistent basis. But you let your actions speak, you know, louder than your words. And, you know, and kids, kids can, you know, they can sense that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and nine times out of 10, those kids will respond. And you could just tell Joe didn't have that. Joe, you could tell he kind of floated through based on his talent. Mm -hmm. It was interesting, too, is what I noticed about Joe is for the most part, he was a real supportive teammate. For sure. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, even through his outbursts, and you can tell he was working through all of that stuff, you know, because he now you're an adult doing that. It's one right. thing, 16, yeah. but now you 22, 23, 21, or whatever, and you like, it, I need my autonomy as a man. Right. I need to figure out my life as a man, but I also need to be humble enough and show some humility here and admit when I'm wrong. Like, who gonna let me work through these outbursts like that? Right. You know what I'm saying? And his teammates were already there. Like that was that that for me was telling too, because his teammates ain't never really give up on him either. Right. You know, right. that's a special group right there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> when Coach said that was my, you know, you guys are my best group ever. You know, a lot of coaches say that to every group, but I, you could tell that he meant that because mm -hmm. they went through so much, man. You know, because it could have been. You know, instead of them being what you know, twenty-seven and one, twenty-eight and one, whatever it was, it could have been easily, you know, nineteen and five, you know, right? Fourteen and thirteen. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just um, it was just a, that was just a great, you know, great show, man. Mm -hmm. Like that really, I know there was a lot of coaches around around the world saying, "Wow, I I feel where this guy is coming from." And, and what you all, what we always talked about, you talked about it before, was. You're only going to be as successful as your staff. Yep. Right? Yep. His staff was, was gangster, first of all. He probably couldn't have a better picked staff for that, right? OG <laughs> in the wheelchair. Yes. Um, I think that's Coach Coach Hunter or Coach Coach Frank. I'm not sure. Um, but OG in the wheelchair, you talking about you coming from BMF. You know what I'm saying? Like that era nothing, of things. There's nothing you hadn't seen. No. Nothing nah. you hadn't seen. Because he he was always calm. Yep. He was always calm when he was talking to them kids. Yep. Always. Right? Like, and then what, what ended up happening to him when he got paralyzed, sounded like a freak accident. Yep. Just playing around. Yeah. Like, those things can happen. But when you got somebody, Coach Ken, that's what it is. Yep. Coach Ken. Um, and and then you get somebody to come in later, which I think was Coach Frank. Um and that came in after winning his things and getting, and he came in at a low cost. Yeah. Right. I'll let you talk about the staff. And then I got another question. Um, yeah, man, the staff that he had, that's, you know, those were angels sent from God, man, dealing with that group that he had, you know, those guys were patient, not concerned about, um, I mean, of course they're concerned about providing for their family concerned about the money, but, once stepping on the campus and getting a chance to be in the mix, you could tell they were like, we're here for these kids. We're here for these kids. And, um, you know, we're going to be okay because we're adults already. We've already made the tough decisions and we're doing the right thing. 
you know, these guys need that opportunity. And um, you couldn't find a better mix, man. You know, you got Coach Mosley who's breathing fire and brimstone. You know, you got the assistant coach. Um, they used to do the the jerseys and, you know, yeah. talk about how the players want to come in and, and they need to feel like they're in a big time program and things like that. You know, and he was driving from the suburbs every day. And doing study hall. And doing study hall, man, and, and not being a part of the faculty. You know, um, you know, doing all the cooking and all that stuff, man, and and being the 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 big brother like figure to the team. And you got Coach Ken, who's kind of like, you know, he's like Coach Jones was to you guys, the whisper. You know, <laughs> you know when he That's when, the Godfather. Yeah. When they talk, yeah, you listen, man. And it's just like you know, you they get your ear so fast, and um, you know, you know that when when they raise their tone, you know that it's something you need to you need to listen to, and so. You just couldn't find a more supportive staff, man, and, and hard work like that. You know, Coach Mosley, you know, with all he had on his plate, he didn't have time to go out there and be that major recruiter that he was when he was a, uh, a, an assistant. You know, so Coach Ken, knowing everybody and knowing every kid, come on, man. That's the gangster. Yeah, somebody somebody out there in college basketball needs to hire that man. Yeah. For sure. I mean, he doing the do. He just do. Yeah. that. What I also noticed in that was for as much as you take on, right, as a coach and not just a coach who said, I'm going to coach a basketball team, put my hours in the league, but I'm going to change young men's lives. So that means I'm going to have to, he got on them after games and practices, he makes them lift. Yep. So instead of me going with my family, I'm here with you. Yep. Right. Don't play with this because I'm not playing with it. Yep. But doing that, and then Coach uh, Rob or whatever, maybe Coach Rob or Coach Frank, I got to make sure I get that right. But Coach Rob, I think that's who it was, going and driving from the suburbs and then taking a huge pay cut. Coach Mosley talking about from the beginning when he was first with his wife, 15000 or whatever that was. And having that support from your wife or anywhere at home, Man, when you're carrying that much energy, like as for you, uh, some people, my mom is my support, my mom, my aunt, my uncle. But talk about what how important it is for your, for a coach to make sure you have some type of life. It, it's it's extremely important because you need you need time away and, and solace, you know, for yourself. Just because you go through so many emotions each season, because each individual player emits a certain type of emotion that you have to tackle head on as a coach because you can't treat everybody the same. And if you, you know, depending on the type of kids that you have on your team, you know, it could be from one extreme to the other. Hmm. It could be, it could be a young man or a young lady that comes from a really good, you know, um, family background and, and they seem to have everything in place and you're thinking that they have no excuses to fail but you don't know the inner workings of that household once they, once that door closed at night. Um, and, you know, it could be somebody from a, you know, a, a less fortunate background, you know, that, you know, they're suffering with finances or, or family tragedy or something like that, or, you know, living in a bad area and every day is a, is a struggle. And so, you know, you as a coach, as a teacher, mentor, um, whatever you do in, involving working with kids, you take that stuff home with you sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you have to, you know, we talk about this with the, our kids all the time, you know, time management. You got to find times 
for yourself and for your family, your loved ones, because if not, um, it's not going to work because yeah. you'll get to a, you know, it'll come to a boiling point at some point in time where, you know, you have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it me or them? That so, burnout real. Burnout. Yeah. Serious, man. Yeah. That's why that trip to the mountains was interesting. <laughs> when I saw them taking that trip to the mountains, I was like, oh, I know coach will love this. Right. Cause those hood kids, they're yeah. from, from the concrete, from the jungle. Yeah. So you don't think about going out to no no type of mountains and that's the way you need to enjoy. No, nor does anybody tell you that that's okay for you to, to do. Right. Right. I always tell people, coaches, the Groupon King, right? I was in college and sometimes it's hard to get them on the phone. I'm like, yo, where you at? I'm in Niagara Falls for the weekend or I'm in the, on the beach or something. I'm like, man, what? But I, I ask, like, when did you know or realize that for your sanity <laughs> and for everybody else's safety around, <laughs> I got to get out. I got to go get here. And the mountains is my thing or so-and-so was my thing. And then how do you put that in play for a youngin? You know what I'm saying? Who think basketball is all that there is, but not knowing there's enough time in the day to do everything. I, th- I think the first time I really, well, I, you know, ever since I was, you know, birth I, we've always been moving around a lot my you know my dad was in the military um you know and then you know my mom and dad got divorced my stepfather was in the military so you know we've moved around a lot and um so i've i've always been one to go out and try new things but i never just from a traditional black family with old southern parents vacation wasn't anything on our radar you know what i'm saying you know it that's, that's for the all the old school guys, you know, we ain't, we need to take no vacation. We need to go to the doctor. Um, <laughs> so, my freshman year in college is when I knew I needed to to get away from them. You know, I going to school at Temple. You know, one of the top programs in the country, playing for Hall of Fame coach. We're in the middle of North Philly. It ain't the Temple that y'all know right now. You know, what I'm it saying? ain't it Temple was, Town. <laughs> yeah, it ain't Temple Town. It was Temple Block back there. So, um, you know, just getting a a chance to go to the Poconos in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, you go to Hershey Park. Yeah, I've been all that stuff, there, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, and just getting out get out of the city for a minute and um and getting a chance to, you know, be in around Mother Nature and and, and feel free for 48 hours, something like that, and just clear your mind and reset. So I, I from that point on I say, you know what, any chance I get, I'm I'm gonna go do something. Yeah. Go do something I haven't done before. And um, you know, and I've I've you know, being consistent with that. And, and once I started with co- coaching with you guys, you know, I had to, I had to ramp it up a little bit more because I had some rough, some rough seasons, man. <laughs> you know, even if we, even, we may have won 15, 16 in a row, but the winning 15, 16 in a row was tough sometimes getting everybody. Making sure, yeah, making sure everybody show up. <laughs> yeah. Tomas, you know what I'm saying? So, um, man, we had to earn that one. Yeah. I, I feel you though, because, um, you know, I, I definitely paid attention to when you said it. My uncle, Uncle Ro, always said that. Always made sure I knew, look, you got to experience it. And then AU was different for us. We traveled a lot anyway. Right. So I was I was kind of used to that. You know, we've been almost every state by the time I was a senior in high school. So when I got to college, though, it was different. <laughs> I was in the Valley, right? Right, right? They call it Shenandoah Valley, God's country, right? Just because of... It's nothing but hills, mountains, land, land, and beautiful sunset. Bears. 
man, I stayed away from those sections though. <laughs> but you know, you see the foxes and everything else. So I, I even got the chance to have my own space to where I was like, I can hear myself think. Yeah. I can think calm. I can think clear. While this is slow pace from what I'm used to being back home, I I need this right now. I'm going to stay for grad school. I'm going to stay until I figure it out because it helps me not get caught up in a rat race that we have in the crib or, you know, all those other different distractions. So, you know, that's something that we always going to encourage. Do more. Step outside of your comfort zone. You know, try to get away from the status quo and take some time to relax because you don't have to be what they say. And I'm learning myself productive every day. Oh, pr- productivity looks different every day. Yeah. It doesn't mean you burning out on a laptop as long as you can. Because you, you can, we feel it. <laughs> yeah. We feel it. We know we need a break. We know. Right now we're not in a space where we can, but we know we need one and we can take one and, and business will still be fine. All right? So, you know, that college stuff is big time though. So I, I loved watching that. You know, I love the fact that almost all of them got to school. At least five of them got to schools. Right. Even in the midst of the pandemic, um, love seeing that. But when we talk last chance, we talk college basketball, we also got to talk about the flip side of that. It doesn't always work out for players. Right. doesn't always work out for coaches. The transfer portal, right? The transfer portal has been, it's been even more of a topic of discussion over the last like four or five years. Um you know, that's the college basketball database to where all of the players interested in transferring. So they can throw their name in there like that NBA draft type thing, right? And see what other offers they can get, right? And of course, you know, you always have those guys who graduate, from, do their four years at a university, but then they're eligible for a fifth year. So they grad transfers, yep. right? But we're talking more specifically about those who go to a school first year, second year, doesn't pan out. And they're like, it's time to go. And and those transfer numbers are increasing daily. Like you're over 1,200, you know, a year at a time. And um, man, just the comments, right? Some coaches are saying it's chaos. Others are saying it's like the wild, wild west. It's crazy town. It's horrendous for sports. Um, another coach is saying it's like speed date. It's like speed dating. Right. <laughs> um, some people, coaches, of course, are saying, I think this is from Jay Wright. I don't think it's good for college basketball, but it's good for the student athletes. And that's what we're all here for. Uh, we'll all adjust. It's going to uh, make it a little a little bit messier. Um, I don't know how you would say it's not good for college basketball, but it's good for the student athlete. That's interesting. But we can dive into that later. But this is a transfer pool, portal. And, and I think it's a little bit ironic of coaches judging that and saying that because a coach can go to a school, don't end up get a job somewhere else, leave the next year, no issues, you know, transfer there. And it's all good. No problem there. Um, but what, but how do you, you being a player that transferred, right? Like how do you see the transfer portal and what do you think needs to change? How it's going to go? And like, you know, how do you feel it? I'm always going to be one uh, advocating for the student athlete first mm-hmm. because, you know, the coaches have their points of view, but the coaches have salaries. <laughs> and, and, you know, of course, not every college coach is a multimillionaire, but there are a lot of guys pulling down some big, big time um, bucks each, each year. And so, you know, 
I'm just thinking about times have changed. When I was in school, when you signed a four-year scholarship, you were pretty much guaranteed that four-year scholarship. You you have to do something really out, outrageous to get thrown out of school. Now it's it's one year renewable. So that coach can essentially X you out after one year, depending on what type of program they have and they, you know that they, they aspire to. And um See, I don't think everybody knows that. Oh yeah. The yeah. one year one year renewable. Yeah, it's not it's not, you know, guaranteed that you have, you know, four years guaranteed. You gotta earn you gotta make sure you do what you're supposed to do each year, you know. Um, and so it's a business. And so, you know, like you said, coaches can take a new job, you know, just after signing an extension and saying, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a wildcat coach for life. And then, you know, someone else calls, you know, North Carolina calls, I gotta do what's best for my family. It was a good, you know. What's what's wrong with that student athlete doing what's best for them and their family? You know, because they're just getting us a, a chance to start their lives. You've already established your life, so you can rebound a little bit better. And um, you know, the coaches saying that it's chaotic. Those are the coaches that are unwilling to change. Huh. That's why they're saying it's chaotic. You know, things things change. That's just that's just how it goes, man. You you know, the coaches who are successful, like you mentioned, Jay Wright commenting on it. What has he been doing all these years? Adjusting. Yeah, that's yeah. true. What, when you transferred, mentally, where were you at in that space? I know now you look back on it differently and everything, but mentally, where were you in that space? I was in a negative space, man. Mm -hmm. A negative space. I didn't have, I didn't have anybody in my corner that was um, an experienced student athlete once before themselves. And someone who could kind of like reel me in and speak to me in a manner that I would trust. You know, I had people, you know, like my family telling me, no matter what, stay where you are, because they saw, they know the coach that I was with was a great father figure, you know, but the basketball side of me, you know, I wasn't happy. And not to say I was um, right or wrong, I just wasn't happy. And so, because I, you know, as a young player, you can't see certain things in front of you because um, they may not be as bright as you want them to be. And so, you know, they're going to get brighter as time goes on. I didn't know that. And so, you know, I made some quick decisions, you know, mm -hmm. and um, kind of went against the advice of, you know, those people who did care about me, you know, and coaches included. And so um, <clears throat> I'm all over the place. So I can see that the players that are transferring now, there's even more pressure on them mm. because there's social media, you know, um, you know, instead of, instead of running into your boys that are telling you, man, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. You got everybody commenting, you know, you got people, you know, that are desk uh, jockeys saying that you should be doing this, you should be doing that or questioning your coach or, or questioning the environment you're in or whatever. And so, um, you know, these guys, their, their mind is all over the place because they're, they're still young and, for some, it's self-awareness too, because, you know, with all of that, you know, craziness that's going on in your head, there's also a lot of guys now that you have access to more information. Yeah. So you're you're knowing like, whoa, 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 whoa. The Fab Five went through this, so I could do this. So now I know what my worth is, Yeah. what my options are. So why not take full advantage of them? Because that's mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do when you go to college anyway. Yeah. And so it's, you know, there's a 
you know, the old the old head side of me says for some kids, you know, you may you may be transferring too soon. Mm. But then but then the you know the adjustment side of me says you can do what's best for you. Right. You know, and if you're as long as you're within the rules, why not? Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting space because I, I get I feel a little different when I see people just automatically labeling a kid quitter. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like you, there's quitting, and then there's the fact that when it comes to college basketball, and most, almost everybody that goes to college basketball, at least in their first year, they have some admir- uh, dreams of playing professionally at some level. Right. Sometimes by the sophomore, junior year, people realize, all right, I'm not going overseas. I can get this. I can get that. But when you're looking at it, you got four years to set up your life how you want to set it up, right? If you don't make it, in each year, it matters, right? Because pro basketball gets younger and younger. Somebody's always coming up after you, right? Those seats are being filled quick. You got international players coming here and there. You got so much. The game is growing. Pressure that you talked about, right? And then people are people. You get to a spot and you realize I'm not a priority like they said I was going to be, right? Regardless of what people are saying in the media, it's like I'm whatever you thought it was like being here, it's not that. And I need something different. I'm not quitting, but if I don't go anywhere, I'm not going to realize my dreams. Well, quitting on yourself could be staying somewhere that you're, you're not happy. And just taking the lumps. I mean, that's just, you know, <laughs> that's just uh, settling. So, you know, when people say quitting sometimes, again, that's a lot of old heads saying that this is the way it was. Mm. It ain't always the right way. Right. We learned, we've right. learned that over time that just because you learned a certain thing or learned, a, uh, learned it a certain way, doesn't make it always right, man. Right. There's some things I look back now and I'm thinking about, man, I was dead wrong. Right. But right. I didn't know any better. I was going by what was the norm at the time, mm-hmm. you know, and so, um, you know, you got to change. If you don't, if you can't change, you know, you're a dinosaur. Bridging the gap, ladies and gentlemen. This is the point right here. 20 years apart, the whole reason we're here is to bridge the gap between the older and the younger. And part of it is the fact that we don't get to sit and talk with our old heads enough. And then when we get there, it's not always a candid conversation, right? right? right. They don't always tell. I'm fortunate enough to, my, my book ends, my old heads are going to tell it exactly how it is no matter what even if they're wrong but just to see it don't it don't take no sweat off your back for you to admit that look i was wrong (laughs) you know what i'm saying seeing it that way was was wrong and don't take it there so you know and that's important because those people making those decisions need some better guidance right and they need some honest guidance and not no self-serving guidance because that's what they get there but that's that's what happens, right? The transfer is, you know, a symptom, but the disease starts at the very, very beginning. And that's picking the college. Right. Right? Like, we don't, I don't think, even for me, I don't think people understand, as a student athlete especially, what type of process picking the right college is, right? right? And 
D1, D2, D3, NAIA, whatever it is, even if you got to offer from all those different levels. Like picking that school and the one that's suitable for you, when they say it's the biggest decision of your life, it, it really can be. Right. But it doesn't come with the same type of manuals, <laughs> the same type of how-to YouTube videos. It doesn't come with any of that. Yeah. And for a lot of us as athletes, we're first-generation college students, yeah. let alone athletes, but first-generation college students. Yeah. So, like, I know hindsight is twenty twenty. So I know what I would do differently in picking. But for you, what would you tell young student athletes to prioritize when it comes to picking your school, especially from a basketball standpoint first, right? Because we are student athletes, but let's keep it a buck. You're going to the school to who? Yep. Like, what would you look at there and then education-wise? Be because we're, we're basketball guys and we're talking about kids going to school to play basketball, the number one thing is going to a place that has a style of play that suits your game. That's mm -hmm. number one because let's face it, like you said, we are student athletes, but you're getting a scholarship to go somewhere. So that means your athletic prowess supersedes your academics right now. I'm sorry. Uh, because you can go anywhere, even if you play basketball or not, and get a degree. That's just, but to be able to play somewhere and get a degree, that's something that, you know, 98% of the world can't do. Yeah. So you want to go somewhere that fits your style of play, a coach that is, um, someone that you feel as though you can grow under and it's in addition to that, you want to go somewhere where you're comfortable living. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're a person that is, um, from the say the inner city or what have you, you may want to rethink going to Kansas. It's a different, it's a different world out there. So, you know, but if the basketball is right, you can pretty much deal with the rest of it. So, basketball the coach the environment and then the academics because you know we we've we've talked to you know you and I have talked to guys recently about you know the quote unquote perfect academic schools mm -hmm. well the perfect academic school is what you make of it absolutely that's just, that's just how it is man you know if you if you're willing to learn you know at a, a you know a college university you're going to you know get the education you need no, absolutely. So I, I agree with that. Style of, style of play is specifically, yep. right? Like, one, that means you got to understand your game, Yep. right? So you you have to make sure that you have someone in your corner, a Coach King, Uncle Ro, um, Morello, shout out to Morello Vest back home, somebody that'll tell you, look, this is your game, right? You don't need to be going to a school that's going to try to have you doing this and just that, but Make sure that you can play two or three different positions. Make sure that you have some mid-range capabilities here that you can get into that action. Yep. Like, like do that, you know, make sure that. And those are the type of things that when you go on your college visits, <clears throat> right, and everybody gets recruited differently, Yep. right? Your top, first of all, the, the top 10 players in the country, in the world, get recruited completely different. And then that next 50 get recruited different. And then everybody else has different tiers based on their priority at the school. Yep. So based on that, you should know from how you're being recruited, what type of priority you are. Right. So, if, you know, if you get in those calls every now and then, they letting you know that there will be a spot open 
but you're not getting those home visits. Right. <laughs> you're not getting those extra pop-ups when, oh, I didn't know you would be here. I'm just around in town. You know, you're getting some things happening. You know, we won't repeat. Like, understand the difference in somebody prioritizing you and then you just seeing the name and being excited about it. Right. And then if you're somebody who really loves the game, talk about your role. Like, really sit, look at the roster, look at the position that you're coming in at, right? Talk to the players and the coaches. Talk to the players specifically, right? Whether they like the coach or not. Right. Talk to the players and really get a chance to sit and, and get an idea of how that coach interacts with the players. Does he keep his word? Right. If he tells you one thing, is he going to leave with that? Right. Is it something that you're going to be able to relate with? Like figure those things out. Cause those are going to be important. Cause I, I know I had a different personality. So I wanted a certain type of coach. It was going to be similar to that. Like somebody. You did have personality. Yeah, it was different. So you <laughs> got to make sure that you pair yourself up with somebody who's going to be in that same room and going to push you there. So you know, the difference of those things. Yep. Right. And then um, I'm definitely with you on the environment. <laughs> can't go to Utah. <laughs> you know, I can't be at, at BYU. So you need to make sure that you take the time and, and figure um, that space out. But most importantly, man, make the decision that's best for you. Not, not concerned about what level you're going at because of what somebody else is going to say. When you're a hooper, they're going to find you. And that's at any level. Yep. Right. But if you're a hooper, but you're sitting on the end of the bench, it don't matter. Right. It doesn't matter if you go D1, but you wait and you don't get to play until you're your senior year, senior night. Like, think about basketball players. You got to be battle tested. Right, OG? Yeah. You got to be battle tested, whether I'm playing D3, D2 or D1. Yep. If I'm playing 30 minutes, 35 minutes from the time I'm a freshman to a senior and you went D1, but you only play spot minutes. You're not gonna be able to. You're not gonna be able to have the same type of swagger going into the fourth quarter as I am. You're not gonna be as battle tested. You're not gonna have the same type of adjustments in mind. Yeah, it, and, and but I, I disagree with that to just a, a small degree. If you, depending on the coach you play for, if you're coached mm -hmm. hard, some coaches coach hard from one through fifteen. True. I, you know, I true. For, yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? That's but, true. But most. Mm -hmm. If you're not in that top seven rotation, yeah. you're forgotten about subject. That's that just how it goes. Um, so, you, you know, that's why the environment is big because if you go there and things don't work out, but you love the city, you love the school, you're okay. Yeah. You, you, you're winning. You're yeah. still winning. But for like most of us, if basketball is number one, you're going to make sure you want to play. And so, you know, as, as I've been saying for years, um, why go to a low-level D1 that's a bottom feeder when you go to a powerhouse D2 that really wants you? Mm -hmm. D3 and do your thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, 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 it's basketball. Yeah. It's basketball. People don't – everybody's so enamored with Division One. You know, one thing about the last chance you – you know, those kids didn't get a chance to take visits. Okay, well, for some of those kids – you know, just taking, just saying I went D1, two years from now, we they may transfer themselves. Word, though. You know, so, you know, you, you just want to go somewhere that's the best fit 
all around for you. Mm-hmm. Not your uncle, not your dad, not your mom, not your, you know, your your boys or whatever, for you. Right. Because you're the one that's got to deal with that. So. Mm-hmm. And that, the education piece, because I got to speak on that, right? Because I did my master's degrees and, and all these other different type of educational things. Academic, you know, I was a part of that academic world, um, especially post-basketball life. Prestige isn't real, <laughs> right? Pres- prestige is, is is probably one of those, um, it's like a buzzword. It's great marketing for the business of universities and the business of schools. Yep. Prestige is not real. Whether it's Harvard or wherever else, all those things is just lip service, right? Education, and you're seeing it even more so now with the easy access to information online, Um People are more aware of the benefit of reading and doing self-education and applying on your own. That's all college is. Whether you go to Harvard, whether you go anywhere else, right? Everything is going to be based on what you put into it, right? Now that you're in college, whether you're higher ed in grad school or whatever else, it's about ideas you can formulate and you can put together. If you don't have that, it doesn't matter if you go to Harvard or wherever else. You go to Harvard, as you always say, you're a lawyer and you leave with a Harvard lawyer degree, right? There are, we know a lot of Georgetown Harvard lawyers that are making the same 50000 75000 that somebody that went to Slippery Rock University made, yep. right? It's so much more than just, oh, I went to this school. You got to network, right? You got to be able to have some autonomy in your own thinking. Those things come regardless of what school you go to. Right. Education doesn't stop in college. So don't be burdened on yourself like, ah, this school isn't good academically. Are you good? Are you willing to study? Are you willing to do more? If that's if that's a yes to all those answers, you're fine. You'll figure it out, you know. But life as a college athlete, though, (laughs) life as a student athlete. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's, it's levels to all of it but it's tough now now as an old old guy I can say you guys had it easier than we had it I can say that now I, I know that you can say well you know I don't I'm, know you gotta tell me what, what, what that was like like what's what you had to break it down like well you know for everybody now if you go D1 major D1 it, it's glitz and glamour right so yeah you know I, I was fortunate enough to go to a big time program Right, but our coach he was big time, but he wouldn't let us be big time. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you know we, we're talking about being in dorms, no AC. Yeah, you know we're talking be about humble. Yes, we're talking about being in dorms. You know it wasn't an athletic dorm with just you know just us. It was co everybody. You know, and um, he wanted us to always be you know the average student. You know, mm-hmm. and, and just like everybody else. You know, but he wanted us to behave above average. And be better citizens in the community and things like that. But um, you know, there's a lot more in place now where kids can go to school on scholarship and have they have a better opportunity to be successful. Where we would be on scholarship and you know, we're you know chomping at the bit for that Pell Grant to come through. So you can so you can buy your uh, your winter clothes and no, like no, nah, they they no, nah, they still chomping at the yeah, bit but that Pell Grant's a lot heavier now. <laughs> it's, and it's you know now there's there's specific stipends that they get you know periodically that mm. help them do things that we advocated for back in the day where yeah. 
you know, doing laundry and things like that, where, you know, some people take for granted that, you know, man, those kids, they complain about doing laundry. Well, if you don't have any money and the laundry costs money, what are you supposed to do? You know, I remember doing certain things like taking, you know, quarters and putting them in stockings and putting them in the, in the washing machine and pull them back, put them in and pull them right back out. And I'm good. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. Yeah. You know, taking, cause you know, right behind temple, there was a train station. So you could take a quarter, put it on the, tra- the train track, let it run over the quarter, smooth it out. You can use that drink, boom, 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 boom over and over, over and over. Yeah, that's yeah. that's funny. Yeah, you know, so you had to do whatever you had to do, man. You know, um, you know, you got meal cards and stuff like that, where you know you could go to you know the, the restaurants and things like that on campus. And so you know you had to find little ways to to make sure you were always good because people don't know like you might have the cafeteria may close at six. Practice practicing at night. Practicing at night. What you gonna do? You know that, that happened at D three too. Yeah, I mean that's everywhere. Yeah, you that's know? crazy. We we almost had a shutdown at my second school at Coppin State because of that. A shutdown. We're talking about probably, and this was ignorant on us at the time, but we didn't know any other way to express ourselves. We're talking about a probably a thousand, twelve hundred dollars worth of silverware messed up. Yeah, like man, yo, we gotta eat. Yeah. You know, he just ran ran us to death. Like, why why is the cafeteria closed? So, you know, we, you know, we protested a little bit and got things changed and we were we were taken care of a little bit. But, you know, so those are things, you know, things are changing in favor of the student athlete, but there's so far to go. Man. So far to go. Yeah, and that that's something that, you know, people always look at the fact that to an extent, athletes are praised. And we always are a play. We we celebrate it for what we do on the court or on the field, right? Whatever entertaining moment, whatever scheduled time that is, they love us for that, right? They hugging us, they leaving stuff in our mailbox, autographs, and all those good things. But and you know, people see that. You know, other people showing us love. But man, that back end, and you talked about all of that. I got to figure out what I'm gonna eat. I got to figure out how I'm going to do laundry. I got to figure out how I'm going to stay warm. Yeah. Got transportation issues. I don't have any money. You still got to deal with family. <laughs> you still got to deal with academics. And you still got to deal with the priorities you have as an athlete. So that's you getting your extra workouts in. That's you being on time to the personal workouts that you got going on, right? That's you being on film sessions and everything else. Like, it's full. <laughs> That's everything. Treatment time, study Tre- hall. Treatment. We're talking about community service. Yeah. There's a million things you have to do that um, people don't know about, that, you know, that they're not going to advertise. But, you know, and as I said before, it's when you're renewable. So you're slacking in one of those things consistently. That's a good, good reason to get you out of there. Yeah. You know? So, you know. But with all that, we can say that the experience is one of a kind, right? Like traveling with teammates, yep. going to the different arenas, like having some of your favorite cities and, and places that you want to play in. Now, this is this is this is one for you because I can't, you know, I didn't get to step into the arenas that you got to step into. But what what were some of the the livest, the best places to hoop at in college when you were going. The Temple or Coppin days, like 
Like what day? I remember you were telling me a story about Greg Ostertag when he was in Kansas and Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Like, like get into that. What what were those locations in in those stadiums like? Well, you know, back then there was no social media, right? So, right. so everything was kind of like legend or myth. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you know, you hear about it on CBS or um, you know you read about it, uh, you know, in USA Today and things like that. So you didn't get a chance to to see things up close and personally every day. So, you know, uh, I'm at Temple and and we're, we're, we're going to Kansas to play. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were number one in the country. And Greg Ostertag was like one of the top centers in the in the country. And, um, you know, we're we're out there doing, uh, you know, our walkthrough and everything. And he just comes down the, uh, the tunnel and he's standing there. You know, he's seven foot, you know, yeah. 270 or whatever he is. And he's just standing there, and you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a lowly end of the bench guy, you know, a freshman. I'm sitting there like, that's Greg Ostertag. And like, <laughs> it's like he has smoke coming from me, like he had a like a theme song behind him and everything. And I was it's like, the, oh. the Undertaker. I was like, yeah. I was like, yo, look, this is crazy. He's like, we we in trouble, you know what I'm saying? But you know, but you know, we had some dogs too. Yeah. You know, we had some future NBA guys and stuff. So. You know, we got a chance to get them out of there, their own place. But as a as a newcomer, a newcomer to college basketball, you were just like, "Whoa!" That was, atmosphere was crazy. It was, it was crazy. You know, um, you know their counterparts, Kansas State. Hmm. Um, I got a chance to play there when I was at Coppin State, and um, you know, their fans are crazy. <laughs> like little Manhattan man, they got they bring couches out to the court. And sit on the side, and they're on those couches, drunk, acting crazy. <laughs> and that was in 90, yeah. 94, it's, 5. Come on, man. Like, you always got but something to say. Like, I, I was going to say 80, late. but I, <laughs> you always got something to say. So, you know, you know, some of the, the most iconic places I've been, you know, we mentioned the Palestra. Like, you just know, you just, you can feel the history when you walk in there. I mean, it's old and beat up, but the lights are awkward and everything, but it's, you can just feel it in there. Yeah. Um, Cameron Indoor Stadium, incredible, yeah, incredible. You know, it looks bigger on TV, of course, but it's small, intimate. But um, and that's that's Duke home for all the young guys and girls. Probably, probably the rowdiest place that I've been in. I've never in my life seen that many students camp out the night before. Mm. I've I've never seen that before. Um, Stanford, I told you I was I played there after college um, with athletes in action, and I've never been somewhere where the fans jump on the bleachers when you're shooting foul shots or whatever, and the entire floor shakes. That's crazy, uh, and you know you think of Stanford, you think of Silicon Valley, and you think yeah. of like just you know some some wealthy, Real Cali. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, just low key man. They're crazy, yeah, crazy. West Virginia, when Gail Catler was there, um, you know, that's in uh, the mountain. Yeah. And um, super rowdy. Mascot, ignorant. Still. Ignorant. Like, just come, you know, you got a timeout going and, you know, he comes behind you and shoots that musket off indoors. They yeah. still get crazy. <laughs> I, I had some friends go to WVU from TC. And um, one girl, I remember she was talking about they were burning couches after the basketball games. And, and it was when uh, <laughs> E-Banks, Remember Devin E. Banks yep. and all them? Um, 
what's our guy name? Uh, Deshaun Butler, maybe, who I got injured in the Final Four. Mm. Remember, like that area of West Virginia when when uh, Huggins was all there going crazy, man. Yeah, it's just you know, co- again, college basketball. You know, we we talk about NBA being the most branded you know sports entity in the world. You know, sometimes like some of our kids overlook college basketball because they're only looking at the NBA, but they don't realize that watching March Madness, man, you you see some some exciting games. You you're seeing guys play with passion without the big money involved, and um, they're trying to get the big money. Mm-hmm. You know, and they understand that the further they go, the better their chances are to get that money. And um, you know, and just you've worked so hard to get there. Yeah. You know, you know, class at you know eight in the morning, practice, study hall, and all this stuff. And you know, and so, um, you know, people overlook that stuff, man. And in the college basketball environment, man, nothing it's, like it. It's it's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's incredible, man. And everybody always talks about college basketball is that last moment where. Basketball is still pure for you individually. Like it's that last moment to where it doesn't feel like a job. Even if you think it does, it doesn't until it is your job. Yeah. Right. And you got to feed yourself. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't because when you get in that moment, the only thing you think about is what we went through. You're, you're looking around, you're thinking like, man, I remember we ran 10 suicides for you. I remember we almost got kicked out of school for you. Mm-hmm. For me, late for the bus that day. I almost got left in mm-hmm. Cincinnati. You know, you think about all those things and then you're looking around, you're thinking that out of the 15 of us, two or three are going to be professional players, you know, whether in the NBA or overseas, we're going to get jobs. Some of us are going to graduate, but this is the last time we'll be together. Right. And so, man, that those emotions start running through. Different. Man, it's different, man. It's different, man. Especially, well, you know, right now, Baylor just won his first championship, getting Gonzaga out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Baylor, Scott Drew talked about how, anyway, he, he, you know, he got numbers. So he talked about how over the last five years or so, or maybe even a little bit longer, he's been the most winningest in the big five, right? This team has been good. They've been number one a few times. They've been a, number one and lost. Last year, they would have been a number one seed because of COVID. They, there was no tournament, right? And this year, they win their first title, and they win it in the middle of a pandemic year, yep. right? And they win it to where they were even the underdogs against Gonzaga, and they came out and handled them. Yep. And he talked about, he was talking to Stephen A. Smith, and he mentioned the fact that you know, it was tough for him last year to tell those seniors who weren't going to get a chance to play that what they had worked for, them being number one in the country, number one, potential number one seed, wasn't going to happen. Yep. And he said, many kids spend 14 years just to get to the NCAA tournament. Yep. Right? Like some people's dream is to get there because they know after that, you know, there's no guarantee. I spent 14 years just to work to get to the tourney so I can have a chance. To be a Oral Roberts, yep. <laughs> right? To be a Loyola, Chicago, to be one of those. Yep. And then, you know, you just never know. So for Baylor to win it, to miss out on it last year, have those returners come back, cherish it, right? And live in that moment and then come back and win it, that that's the essence of college basketball. And basketball is, is a team sport. Yep. Man, 
that was a tough, that was tough to even see. So <laughs> with with that being said, you know, we want to make sure the youngest that we have right here in Dubai are understanding that. And I think they do know, you know, basketball is much different outside of here. Right. And you do have a chance to experience that. Um, you know, we there are some young people out there that, that haven't gotten to see the sport yet, but yep. We're here to show you, you know, there are no limitations to what this game can do for you. Right. Right. So, you know, episode 20, we're going to get ready to wrap it up. Um, you know, Bridging the Gap podcast. You guys know how we end it. There's always a post-game wrap-up before we lock it out. Um, I'm going to go first today. Let you go. This is something that I always that my aunt always tells me. Aunt Lisa always got the gems. Um, she said, "Chaos and change begins the same way. It's what you'll do next that matters." All right. Don't fall victim to your circumstance. Don't let one moment define you. Just prepare yourself for what could be, and then when that moment comes. Just know that the next step is the only one that matters. I just hope when we blow, you you give her credit for that. No, for sure. I got a I got the screenshot saved in my phone. Okay, okay. <laughs> she needs to get some uh, a monetary. So she, she got a whole booklet of what we no trust me. Okay. I'm talking to her saying you need to put together a, a book. We can okay. sell it. <laughs> okay. Because you, you know, you you stealing a lot of stuff there. Listen, at least <laughs> this is all you. Late bloom. <laughs> um, for me, I'm gonna be short and sweet. Um, surround yourself with good people. You know, can't say it enough. Surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with like-minded people. People that have the same aspirations that you have. That that are truly your friends and have your back. That are gonna tell you what you need to hear sometimes, and not what you want to hear. And they're always going to encourage you to do what you need to do in terms of moving forward. Anybody that's telling you that um, what you're doing is corny, is crazy, whatever, they're probably not your true friend. They're a little, they're a little jealous or they're a little afraid of, of what life um, has in store for them. And they're afraid to step out there. But if, you know, your friends will tell you being uncomfortable now will help you be comfortable later on in life. Absolutely. Um, that's it. Like we always say, you know, keep it simple, keep it real, keep it going. Everybody in UAE, um, Hoop Mountain Dubai, you can find us. Hoop Mountain.ae on the website, Hoop Mountain DXB on Instagram. Bridging the Gap Podcast. Follow us. We're on TikTok. Bridging the Gap that podcast. You'll see us. Instagram, bridging the gap underscore. Um, follow us, like us, subscribe, comment, all those things. Talk to us. We'll be talking to you guys a little bit more. Um, shout out to Lighthouse Studio for holding us down. Collective, you know, Abdella and our video guys, they had a long last two weeks, but they're back in action. Shout out to my guy, Ethan. Uh, discipline and consistency, punk. Let's make these dreams happen, man. All right. That's it for now. See you guys.